Hello everyone, happy Wednesday. How are we doing today? I hope you all are having a great week. Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, thank you for joining us. My name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, I just want to remind you to subscribe if you have not already. We post weekly episodes here every single Wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it. As you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are talking about the unsolved disappearance of eight-year-old Relisha Rudd. Before we get into it though, I do want to go ahead and take a look at last week's case that we covered of Brianne Wolgram and talk about some of the theories that you guys had for that case as well. If you haven't listened to that, you can pause this one, go back and listen to last week's episode, and then come back and join us here, or you can just skip through this part and head straight into today's episode. So similar to Relisha's case that we're covering today, Brianne's case is also an unsolved disappearance. So we're going to run through some of the theories that you guys had. And as a reminder, you can always email me your theories at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. So the first theory that we have reads, quote, Hey Savannah, I found this episode very interesting, especially since Brienne hasn't been found, dead or alive, so there's not a lot of information to go by. My theory for this case is that the three girls possibly stole Brienne's car and ditched her, which would explain why the car was found damaged. They could have persuaded her to let them into the car and then forced her out so they could take off with her belongings. Why they left the money and wallet in the car, though, I'm not sure. But this would also explain why the girls never came forward. As for Brienne, after she was left stranded, she could have been trying to find her way home and just walked into the wrong person. Whether this person had killed her or just abducted her, there's no way of knowing. End quote. First off, thank you for sending in your theory, and you bring up a very interesting point about the girls stealing Brienne's car and then ditching her somewhere. Is it possible that the girls drove Brienne to a disclosed location and then drove the car to Echo Lake Park themselves and kind of set the scene to make it look like the car had just been parked there and that Brienne went there? But in reality, we have no way of knowing if Brienne was actually ever at that park to begin with. The question of why would the girls leave $200 in cash is a fair question that we have to think about as well. However, that is a very, very good theory. So thank you for sending that one in. Now, the second theory reads, quote, I love your podcasts. So I took a criminal investigation class. And what I learned is that it's very hard to pick up a good fingerprint that can be used, especially with a textured surface. But I do think it's odd that her statue was vandalized. I believe it could have been sex trafficking or a situation gone bad end quote. And just to give you a little bit of a refresher, what this person is referring to when talking about the textured surface was the fact that authorities said that they couldn't get any DNA from the car because of the texture of the seats inside of the vehicle. So thank you for letting us know that because that is a question that I know I myself, as well as a lot of you guys had, which was why wouldn't they be able to get any DNA from the car? I also agree that it is extremely odd that her statue, the Angel of Hope statue that was put out in honor of her has been vandalized on three different occasions. I know a lot of you guys in the YouTube video that I posted commented on this saying, I wonder if they could put up security cameras 
cameras or CCTV footage to see who is vandalizing this because it does seem very personal. And quickly, before we move on to the last theory, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. And it's really, really awesome that you're taking a criminal investigation class. Now, the last theory that we have for Brienne says, quote, Hey, Sav, I live in Alberta. It's a province away from British Columbia where Brienne went missing. I just wanted to throw it out there that British Columbia, as well as Alberta, our winters start very early and it crossed my mind when you talked about the fact that there were no footprints leading away from the car, that it's possible it could have snowed and covered everything. It seems unlikely that there are no footprints around the car except the size 11 and a half boot. I think it's likely that snow could have covered any evidence that could have been left behind. Just wanted to throw in that Canadian perspective. Love you and the podcast, end quote. First of all, thank you so much because this is really great insight to have from someone who lives near that area or is from around there. And also thank you for listening to the podcast. I love you too. Now, what I do want to say is that Brienne went missing on September 5th and I am not not familiar with the weather patterns in British Columbia or Alberta or Canada in general. So I cannot sit here and tell you that it starts snowing in the beginning of September. It wouldn't surprise me, but also I'm from California. So snow is like a foreign concept. I grew up on the East coast, but snow is a foreign concept here. So I don't know when the proper time to start snowing is, but I think it is probably very different in Canada. So with that being said, it had to have been snow or dust or some sort of weather condition that really covered any potential evidence. I know that authorities said that they weren't able to get any DNA from the outside of the vehicle because dust had been covering it. So it is possible that maybe if it was windy, you know, it could have blown over any footprints or things like that. So thank you for giving all of your amazing theories. I really, really appreciate it. And I would love to hear your theories on today's case. So let's get into it. Like I said earlier, today we are back with an unsolved case, and this time we are talking about the disappearance of eight-year-old Relisha Rudd. And when Relisha first went missing, her case received little to no coverage outside of the Washington, D.C. area where she went missing from, which caused an uproar from others who believed it was because of her status and race. However, luckily, since then, Relisha's case has received more traction and more attention. However, she is still missing. Relisha has been missing for over six years, and the events that lead up to Relisha's disappearance are probably going to send you through a loop of confusion and frustration. Relisha Rudd was born on October 29th, 2005 in Washington, D.C., and at the time of her disappearance, she was living in a homeless shelter in D.C. called the D.C. General Shelter. She lived there with her mother, Shamika Young, as well as her three younger brothers. Now, despite her living condition, Relisha is described as being lovable, kind-hearted, and friendly. She always had a smile on her face. She loved being around people and socializing. She's such a beautiful and bright little girl. And to understand the life that Relisha was living, it's important to look at her home situation. Because even though Relisha was this ball of light, she did not 
like her living situation. She would make up excuses that allowed her to stay longer at school so she wouldn't have to go home. And there were also times where she would come to school dirty, and this ended up becoming such a pattern that the school actually started keeping extra clothes there for when she came in that they could give her for her to change into. And when talking to people about her home and about the shelter, she referred to it as the quote-unquote trap house. Now, due to her living condition, Relisha absolutely relied on the after-school program that her school provided her, and this is called the Children's Playtime Project. Relisha absolutely loved being there, and she was one of those kids that really stood out to all the faculty and employees working at the school because of her energy. She just had such good energy, and everyone who worked there said that she is just such a special person. Person, a noticeably special person. Now, before we get into Relisha's disappearance, I want to say that the timeline of this is going to probably be pretty confusing to you because it doesn't make a lot of sense. And that is part of the reason why I personally believe Relisha's case is still unsolved is because at least we, the public, don't know all of the facts. We aren't given everything. And one of those things that we aren't given is a proper timeline. We don't have an exact day that Relisha went missing. And let me explain. In February 2014, things for Relisha started to change. Pretty much out of the blue, Relisha stopped attending school, and her teachers and other faculty caught on fairly quickly, and they started to raise concerns. However, Relisha's mother, Shamika, was very quick to try and push these concerns to the side, providing notes from a doctor named Dr. Tatum. And these notes that Dr. Tatum was giving out said that Relisha was having health problems and that she was excused from any school or school work. Now, obviously, when Relisha's teachers received this note, they were concerned because of her health condition that is supposedly terrible and not allowing her to come into school. However, after about two to three weeks of Relisha not coming in for any classes, Relisha's teachers decided that they actually wanted a little bit more information on this situation. So they ended up reaching out to Dr. Tatum themselves with the phone number that he had provided on the note, and the faculty tried to set up a meeting with Dr. Tatum in order to get some more details on Relisha's apparent poor health condition. So just to pause for a second and break it down, Relisha stops going to school in February. She's not there anymore. One day, she just does not show up and teachers start to get worried. Right around the time that teachers start to get worried, they receive this doctor note from a doctor named Dr. Tatum who says that Relisha is in really poor health. She's really sick, so she needs to be excused from any school or school work. And after about two to three weeks following receiving this health note, the teachers at Relisha's school start to get a little suspicious, so they decide to make a meeting with Dr. Tatum. Now, Dr. Tatum agreed to meet with Relisha's teachers, and they decided that they were all going to meet at the D.C. General Shelter, where Relisha lived. They picked a date, they picked a time, and it was all set up. However, when the teachers went to the shelter to meet Dr. Tatum at their designated time, Dr. Tatum didn't show 
up. He didn't give a phone call. He didn't give an explanation. He just went completely MIA. And this is what prompted Relicious teachers, actually a counselor more specifically, to call the police to file a missing persons report for Relicia. Now, the missing persons report was filed in the beginning of March. And once the investigation started, it did not take long for authorities to figure out that Dr. Tatum did not exist. This was not a real person, and this certainly was not a doctor. The only Tatum that the DC General Shelter was aware of was 51-year-old Khalil Tatum, who worked as a janitor at the shelter. And let's talk about Khalil Tatum for a second. Khalil did not have the greatest reputation. He had a felony record for burglary, larceny, and breaking and entering, and he actually served time in prison from the years 1993 to 2003, so 10 years, and then again, he served from 2004 to 2011. Despite being there to only work as a janitor at the shelter, Khalil was also known to be very social in the shelter, and in particular, he was said to have paid close attention to the young girls who lived at the shelter shelter. There was said to be one occasion where Khalil actually befriended a woman at the shelter only to really get close to this woman's daughter. He ended up buying this woman's daughter a tablet computer as well as took her to see Disney on Ice. And eventually, over time, this mother actually allowed Khalil to take her daughter for an overnight trip to allegedly stay with him and his grandmother. Why? What's the reasoning? What's the logic? I do not know. But it's clear that Khalil has a pattern to be hanging out with younger girls and have an interest in younger girls. So he definitely had some strange and extremely questionable behavior prior to this. So what authorities soon figured out was that not only did Dr. Tatum just not exist, like Dr. Tatum is not a person, Dr. Tatum is actually Khalil Tatum. Now you might be asking, how the heck does this Khalil Tatum person get thrown into all of this? And we will explain, but what I do want to say is that Khalil Tatum was actually very close to Relisha's family. Relisha's family actually referred to Khalil as Relisha's godfather, and the two of them would go on sleepovers. Khalil would take Relisha to the movies, to the park. They would go places together. And according to Shamika, who again is Relisha's mother, she said that she had no no reason to not trust Khalil because everyone at the shelter liked him and no one thought there was ever anything wrong. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. Don't you worry. Now, like I said, there is no timeline for when Relisha went missing. We have no exact day that she was just gone. One day she's at school and everything is fine, and the next day she is never seen again, but no one seems to fully understand or know exactly how that happened, which to me means that there is a lot of covering up going on in this case. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? 
Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. Now, here is where things just get strange and confusing, and it all becomes one big twisted story because right around the time that authorities were made aware that Relisha went missing, they were also made aware that Dr. Tatum didn't exist and Dr. Tatum was actually Khalil Tatum. So they decided that the best thing to do would be to track down Khalil Tatum. That way they could figure out hopefully what the heck is going on here. However, when they tried to find Khalil, they realized that Khalil was nowhere to be found. So now, not only are police focused on finding Relisha, they are now trying to find out where Khalil is. So both Khalil and Relisha are now missing. Now, before we move on anymore, I want to talk about Shamika, Relisha's mother, because according to Shamika, let's just walk through her side of the story. Shamika said that in the weeks leading up to Relisha's disappearance, Relisha was staying with her grandmother, Melissa. So Relisha was staying with Melissa for multiple weeks, and then all of a sudden, she just goes missing from there, and that is what Shamika believes. But Shamika has actually gone as far as accusing her mother of having something to do with Relisha's disappearance. And Shamika has also said that she believes that her mother could have been conspiring with Khalil about Relisha's abduction. And she also blamed the fake doctor's notes from this Dr. Tatum character on her mother. She said that her mother was the one that wrote these notes and handed them to Relisha's school without Shamika having any knowledge of it. Shamika said that she actually had no idea that Relisha was ever missing until she was interviewed by the FBI, and at that point, she had not spoken to Relisha in about 18 days. Now, this is when I look to some of the parents or any of the parents that listen to this podcast. I personally do not have children and honestly am the farthest thing from it. However, I'm looking to you and wondering, is there ever a time where you would go 18 days without speaking to your child? I know every family is different. I know every family has a different way of operating, but I am 23 and I would not even go one full day without speaking to my mom. I can't imagine going 18 days without speaking to your eight-year-old daughter. However, Shamika defends herself on this by saying that she just assumed that she was safe with her family members. However, Shamika's mother, Melissa, who is Relisha's grandmother, paints a very, very different 
picture. Not only does Melissa say that she actually wasn't even taking care of Relisha at the time of her disappearance, Melissa's actually been pointing the finger at Shamika, saying that she should never have let Relisha spend so much time with Khalil. So Shamika is pointing the finger at her mother, saying that it is Melissa's fault for Relisha's disappearance, and Melissa is pointing it right back to Shamika, saying that she had nothing to do with this, and on top of that, Shamika shouldn't have let her eight-year-old daughter spend so much time with a 51-year-old man. So there's a lot of finger-pointing and blaming that's going on here, and authorities have actually come forward and said that they're not paying too much attention to the finger-pointing that Shamika is doing to Melissa and vice versa because it just doesn't benefit their case. They're trying to look strictly at facts, and that just doesn't help them. So now, now let's navigate back to the investigation that authorities had conducted when they initially found out that Relisha was missing. Because in the beginning of the investigation, authorities uncovered something shocking. Authorities were actually able to discover security camera footage from the Holiday Inn Express that's located in Northeast Washington, D.C. And on the security camera footage that's dated February 26th, 2014, Khalil Tatum is seen walking down the hallway of this Holiday Inn Express hotel into a hotel room with Relisha. So Relisha and Khalil Tatum are seen on security camera footage on February 26th, walking into a hotel room together. Then, just three days later, on March 1st, 2014, Relisha is seen again walking into a different hotel room at the Days Inn Hotel on New York Avenue, located in Washington, D.C. And she again is seen with Khalil Tatum walking into this hotel room. And this is the last footage that we have of Relisha. Now, police have come forward and said that due to this being an active investigation, they cannot release whether or not they have footage of Relisha leaving that last hotel room at the Days Inn. However, from the general public's perspective, that is the last time that we ever see Relisha. So let's just pause again, take a little brief moment to unravel this. We don't have the exact date that Relisha was last seen in person by her friends or by family, but now we have the security camera footage that's dated February 26th, and Khalil Tatum is seen walking into a hotel room with Relisha. And then three days later, he's seen walking into a different hotel room with her again, and this is the last time that we ever see Relisha. So now we have the confirmation that Relisha was with Khalil Tatum. It was always speculation and it was always, you know, thought to have been the case because Khalil was also missing. However, there was never any solid proof to show that that was actually the case until this footage became released to the public. Now, you guys can look up the footage for yourselves. It's all over the internet. It's blasted everywhere and it is absolutely 
sickening seeing this little eight-year-old girl walking in to not one, but two different hotel rooms with a 51-year-old man. So I just want to let you know that if you do want to go look up that footage, it is available. You can just look up Relisha Rudd security camera footage and it will pop up. Now, as if things in this case couldn't get any more unsettling, on March 20th, 2014, Khalil Tatum's wife was actually found shot dead in her bed at a motel located in Prince George's County, Maryland. Surveillance footage shows Khalil and Andrea entering the hotel room the night prior. However, Andrea never ended up leaving it. So now we have an eight-year-old girl who is missing, Khalil Tatum, who is missing and is seen on surveillance footage with Relisha, and now Khalil Tatum's wife has been murdered. Now, according to a neighbor of Andrea and Khalil, he says that he believes that Andrea was murdered by Khalil because Andrea knew too much about Relisha's disappearance. This neighbor said that he believed that Relisha was sold into sex trafficking and that Andrea knew too much about the situation, so Khalil decided to murder her. Now, once police discovered Andrea's body, they then knew that they absolutely needed to find Khalil because now not only were they looking at him for having a possible connection in Relish's disappearance, they are now also looking at him for being a potential murder suspect. Now, the last time that Khalil was seen was when he was seen on a surveillance tape the day after that he was on camera with Relisha at the hotel. However, this time he was seen purchasing a shovel, a lime, and 42-gallon trash bags. Now, subtract the lime out of this equation and the shovel in the trash bags are obviously very, very unsettling things to purchase considering the circumstances. Now, after Andrea's body was discovered on March 20th, it took authorities about 11 days to locate Khalil. And on March 31st, 2014, authorities discovered Khalil's body at the Kenilworth Park located in D.C. after he had suffered a gunshot wound to his head. The weapon that was used to murder Khalil was found with his body, and authorities were also able to link that gun as the one that was used to kill Andrea. Now, the difference between Andrea and Khalil's death is that authorities looked at Andrea's death as a homicide, and they looked at Khalil's death as a suicide. So now they had Khalil dead, Andrea dead, and Relisha is still missing. And now I want to move on to talk about the Steve Wilkos show. And you might be a little like wondering why in the world I am talking about that. However, if you do not know what the Steve Wilkos show is, the Steve Wilkos show is a show that I grew up watching and I still love to watch. And it's similar to Maury, the Maury show in the sense where they do segments about, did this person cheat on me or DNA results? Or are you the father? Are you not the father? However, the Steve Wilkos show also covers a lot more serious cases of molestation and rape. And in this case, child abduction. Now, Relisha's mother, Shamika, as well as Relisha's grandmother, Melissa, 
and Shamika's ex-boyfriend, Antonio, who was seeing Shamika at the time of Relish's disappearance, all went on the Steve Wilco show to take polygraph tests to prove their innocence on having nothing to do with Relish's disappearance. However, Shamika was actually the only one who refused to take the test. Melissa and Antonio both ended up passing for having any involvement in Relish's disappearance, so now Melissa is cleared based off of this polygraph test, and Antonio is cleared. So that whole story that Shamika was saying about how her mother wrote the doctor's notes and was correlating this whole thing with Khalil, according to this polygraph test, that is not true. Shamika also said on the Steve Wilkos show that she never gave Relisha to Khalil and that she has no idea as to how they ended up together at this hotel, which again, you're her mother. Like, I don't know how else to say it. And something that I also want to note that Shamika said on this show was, quote, I ain't a murderer. My prince ain't on nothing end quote. And according to the comments that I read, because I was reading through a lot of the comments because I wanted to see what other people were saying about this, this particular comment from Shamika struck a lot of people. People thought it was extremely strange and uncomfortable to say that your fingerprints aren't on anything and that's why you're not going to be caught. I'm not a murderer. My fingerprints aren't going to be found on anything. It's just such a strange thing to say when talking about your daughter's abduction. And that's also the point I want to make. Relisha's case is still unsolved. Relisha has not been found. She has never been found. So why are we jumping to the conclusion that you're not a murderer? It wasn't, I had nothing to do with my daughter's disappearance. I don't know where my daughter is. It was, I'm not a murderer. So... You guys can let me know what you think about that. Now, despite anything, I think the one thing that we can all agree on, which I don't like to parent shame here, which I know might seem contradicting to some of the statements that I've made about Shamika in this case. However, with this case in particular, it is so hard not to just get furious at the adult figures in Relisha's life. Because regardless of anything, I know one thing for certain is that at the very least, Shamika is guilty of being a neglectful mother. Relisha was not properly looked after and cared for, so much so that she was given to a 51-year-old man. And that is the big question in this case. How did Relisha get to Khalil. And a lot of people believe that Shamika sold Relisha to Khalil, who then sold her into a sex trafficking ring. However, the purchasing of the 42-gallon trash bags as well as the shovel also makes me wonder if Relisha was murdered in that hotel room after Khalil got to do whatever he wanted to her once she was sold to him. And I do want to mention that the authorities have actually ruled out the sex trafficking theory. The DC Metropolitan Police detectives in particular have ruled out the sex trafficking theory. However, they do believe that it's possible that Khalil could have been pimping out Relisha 
to other people. And then Andrea found out about it, which is why he murdered her. Which to me, if we're going with that theory, maybe Khalil was pimping her out to different people. And then one thing led to another and something went very wrong, which ended up in Relisha passing away. And that is why he bought the shovel and the trash bags. Now, personally, my belief on this and where I stand on this case is I 100% believe that Shamika knows way more than she is letting on. I do believe that she was somewhat involved in selling her daughter to Khalil. I think that she knew exactly what was happening and then Relisha could have died in the hands of Khalil. I just don't believe that Shamika had nothing to do with this. I think that her and Khalil probably conspired together to make the doctor's notes and to do everything that they did, but that's just my theory. You guys can let me know what you think. Send me in an email at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. That is going to be all for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Killer Instinct episode here. Again, if you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah. We post weekly episodes every every single Wednesday. So make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss one. I will be back next week with a brand new case. And until then, stay safe guys.